It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. In your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of James. We're studying the authority of the believer. Hallelujah. You don't have to quit shouting. Glory to God. I know when old preacher I knew years ago, he pastored a church. He, they had a three-week revival. started with a bee getting up a lady's dress. He was fixing to get up to preach. And they didn't know what it was. And this woman just got up shouting and started running all over the church. And ran out the back door. Well, the whole church got up and started shouting and running. They had revival went three weeks. He said later, he said, I thank God for that bee. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you need a bee. Amen. We've been discussing, looking at, studying, allowing God to impart unto us information on the authority of the believer. I don't think there's any doctrine that has changed the body of Christ over the past 30 years more than that doctrine. I've, I've literally watched it, observed it, and participated in it, literally changing whole nations. When people begin to rise up and recognize they have authority. You've got authority down here on the earth. I know many times the question is, why didn't God do something about these things that are going on? The reason is because he's commissioned us to do it. We're the ones that are supposed to be walking in the authority that God has, has wrought in Christ Jesus. Jesus seated at his right hand. The heavenly Father, of course, seated on his throne in heaven. But God imparting unto us the Holy Ghost that abides on the inside and empowers on the outside and his word so that we can walk in his authority and power. God didn't leave us defenseless. I ought to get a better amen than that. If you feel defenseless, listen, you don't need to feel defenseless. You say, why not? Because God has given us something to cause us to be able to rise up in the overwhelming victory that God has supplied for us in Christ. You just have to learn to do it. Uh, the reason many people don't is a lack of information. Uh, too, many uh, too many churches preach a defeated God. They, they, they preach a defeated gospel. You know, they talk about, well, God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't deliver anymore. He doesn't do this. Doesn't do that. Well, that, you're literally talking making God inactive. But I got good news. God is active. He watches over his word to perform it. As Pastor Leah said, you know, he, our thoughts aren't his thoughts. Our ways aren't his ways. But his word does not return void. It accomplishes. Amen. That means there's a performing force and power in the Word of God. But what's unique about God is God has left it in our hands. You say, now why has God done that? Because the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and He gives authority, delegates it to whom He pleases. Mankind was given that authority in creation. He was given dominion. He was given authority. He was given power. Everything that we take for granted, well, we don't take it for granted, but we take it as being so common, are things that, that God never intended for us to experience. God never experienced, wanted mankind to experience war, famine. Amen. He didn't want mankind to experience sickness or disease. And I, I got one for you here. You may not agree, but I'm telling you, I can show you in the Word of God. He did not create man to die. All that junk came in through the fall. When Satan got into humanity and Satan began to spread all his evil junk, that's how it got into humanity is through that fall. Well, thank God 2,000 years ago, God sent the answer. His name was Jesus. He took all that garbage upon him. Then he died on the cross. Then he went into hell and defeated it all. Defeated death, hell, the grave, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, affliction, addiction, you name it. It's been defeated. Then he said, I'm going to give you the authority and you go and carry out my dictates upon the earth. Yes. 
That's what the church is commissioned to do. And that's what we must do. The enemy has fought overtime to suppress anything that has to do with any power in the church. The most some churches preach is the power to save. Man, I thank God. That's the most greatest power there is, is the power to save. That man can, man or a woman that's born into Adam's fallen family can confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and leave darkness and come into light and leave death and come into life. But I want you to know that he didn't stop there. I said he didn't stop there. He empowered the believer through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Same spirit that comes in to abide through the new birth comes upon us to give us power. Glory to God. How many filled with the Holy Ghost? Say hallelujah. Then there's power to heal. Everybody say heal. Jesus is a healer. He is a healing God. We've experienced it. We've seen it. He's been doing it for years. And I guarantee you we're going to see an increase in his healing power all over the world. We've seen cancers healed. We've seen arthritis healed. We've seen diabetes healed. And I want you to know if you're struggling this morning, you say, man, I'm fighting a fight. I've got good news. God's not going to heal you. He's already done it in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is learn how to accept it. Amen. Then we got this scam called the devil. And what amazes me is so many churches are powerless against the devil. Now, we've studied him for the past couple of weeks. We've seen, number one, he's a liar. Everybody say, he's a liar. Say, he's a liar. Secondly, not only is he a liar, he can only, he can only make suggestion to us. He is a tempter. Everybody say, a tempter. And number three, this is a good point. He's also defeated. I got good news. I said, I got the good news. The Bible says in 1 John, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy. That word destroy means to loosen and dissolve the works of the enemy. Jesus is Lord and the devil is defeated. And the church is called to demonstrate that defeat. Amen. He's a liar. He's a, he's a murderer. The Bible says he's a murderer. He has a criminal spirit. You say, what do you mean? He doesn't have the right to make you sick. He makes you sick anyway. He doesn't have the right to attack your mind or to attack your finances. He just does it anyway. And you've got to make a decision. I am not going to let the devil do what he wants to do in my life. The Bible says the thief comes not but, to, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. You can only have that abundant life according to your willingness to exercise your authority over the enemy and demonstrate his defeat. Say, so what do you mean by that? Jesus already did it and gave, it, gave the victory to us. So all we have to do is stand on that victory and say, devil, you're not going to do it in my life. You're not going to destroy my physical health. You're not going to destroy my finances. You're not going to destroy my family. You're not going to mess with my finances. You're not going to oppress me. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to rise up and walk in faith and demonstrate your defeat everywhere I go and everything I do in Jesus' name. Now, now are you in the book of James? We're going to look at three scriptures this morning real quick. James chapter 4, just one, we'll just lift one verse out. James chapter 4, verse 7. Now notice this. It says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now this, this listen, this is God by the Holy Ghost through James pinning it to us, telling us that Satan and demon forces must be resisted. Now let me try that again. Satan and demon forces must be resisted. You must resist it. That word resist means to actively oppose. Everybody say actively oppose. You've got to make a decision in your life. I, I, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to oppose that 
which has been opposing me. I'm going to rise up against that which has come against me. For too long, the church has been intimidated by the devil instead of being the intimidator of the devil. For too long, the church has fought a defensive fight instead of giving, getting over on the offensive side and saying, devil, instead of you running me off, I'm going to run you off. Everybody say resist. Say resist. Say resist. But now notice, notice, there's a word before resist, and that's the word submit. Now, only proportion to your submission to the word of God and the will of God can you resist the devil. So many people are so weak in their resistance because they're weak in their submission. Let me try that again. So many people are so weak in their resistance because they're weak in their submission. Now, number one, I wrote a couple of things down here. Number one, we got to submit to his word. Listen, I found this out years ago. You can't afford the luxury of an opinion if you're going to serve God. (laughs) didn't get a good amen on that one. Let me try that again. You can't afford the luxury of an opinion. And the problem here in the United States we have is people are religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. You say, what do you mean by that? We have so many religious ideas, and much of it is generational. Mama believed that way. Grandma believed that way. Great-grandma believed that way. Well, I guess I'll believe that way. you got to make a decision to take the Word of God for what it is. It is the Word of God. I said it is the Word of God, and it should get rid of your opinions. It should get rid of your ideas, and it ought to get rid of all your religious thinking because I'm telling you religious thinking will hold you back. I don't care what denomination you're from. I don't care what religious mindset you may have. The Word of God can set you free from that and give you liberty in every area of life if you'll make a decision to just get rid of your religious opinion. I heard a preacher say years ago, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they all stink. Now listen, submit. Everybody say submit. Here's its definition. To stop trying to fight or resist. Now, we're not talking about the devil. We're talking about the Word of God. Quit allowing your intellect to fight or resist the Word of God. Amen? Just submit to the Word. If the Word says it. Leah, years ago, when we first got married, Leah owned her own business, a hair salon over in, uh, in downtown Galveston. And one of her clients found out I was a preacher, was a minister. I was traveling a lot at the time. And she asked Leah, how does your husband interpret the Word of God? And so Leah, she was telling me the story later. She said, I thought for a minute, thought for a minute, thought for a minute. And finally I said to my client, well, he doesn't. He doesn't interpret the Word of God. He just sees it in the Word, and that's what we believe. He said, now you can't take the Word literally. Yes, you can. Let let me try that again. He said, you can't take, you've got to have somebody interpret it for you. No, you don't. You can take it literally. Jesus said we must be born again. Glory to God, we got born again. He said be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We got filled with the Holy Ghost. We're a bunch of tongue talkers around here. Say, oh no, I've gotten into one of them tongue talking churches. Too late, we're going to lock the doors. (laughs) Amen. The Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's that same power that got on the inside and gets on the outside. And it's a great phenomenal miracle because God disconnects your tongue from your peanut brain and hooks it to your spirit where he lives. And you speak in the tongues of men and angels. Oh, we better be careful. I'll get to teaching on the Holy Ghost. 
It means, submit means to agree to or accept something that you've been opposing. I was so blessed to come up under the ministry of Pastor John Osteen. Pastor John Osteen was being groomed to probably be the premier Southern Baptist pastor in the city of Houston. Uh, he pastored Hebrew Memorial Baptist Church. It was a growing congregation. He probably would have taken the re re uh, reins of either First Baptist or Second Baptist in Houston. But his daughter was born. Lisa was born with a, with a severe, uh, a, a major birth defect. Uh, they painted the picture of them having to live with this invalid child their whole life. And he said, when that happened in my life, I cried out, where's the God of the Bible? He said, I started reading. He said, I started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He says, that's not the Jesus I preach. That's what he said. He said, I'm not, that's the, so he went on a quest. He began to search. He began to say, and he began to find out he needed power. He needed the anointing and he needed a miracle in his family. And he, he prayed this prayer. He said, I prayed, oh Lord, don't let me end up with some Pentecostal woman with her hand on my head. <laughs> Guess where he ended up? with a Pentecostal woman with her hand on his head and he got filled with the Holy Ghost and Lisa got a miracle and she's still strong and alive today and married and working over at Lakewood Church and it is a great testimony to that. Thank God for people that start out in the things of God but you gotta keep going because revelation is continual. Nobody has it all. Nobody has got the entire revelation of what God is but thank God we have what we have and we continue in it. I'll never forget what he told us the first day of school. First day of school, September 1984. John Osteen, two doctorates in divinity. One from John Brown University, another from Oral Roberts University. Got up and said this, I reserve to change my doctrine at any time. I thought, whoa, what are you saying? He said, I used to have this doctrine, now I've got this doctrine. And if I see something better in the Word of God, then I'll have that doctrine. And I guarantee you we need to be that flexible and be willing to change our doctrine, especially if it is a change into the glory, into the power, into the anointing, and into things that help deliver hurting people. <laughs> to yield to an authority... To surrender to the will of another. That's to submit. So, so we submit to the word of God. We submit to his spirit. And we submit to spiritual authority. Now notice it again in that light. Submit yourself therefore to God. Submit yourself therefore for to God. Resist. Everybody say resist. That's active opposition. Resist. Now this tells you who to resist. The devil. I tell you the devil wants to destroy you. We studied his nature. He comes for to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Anything in your life right now is being killed or stolen or destroyed. That's not God trying to teach you a lesson. Amen. Come on, church. That's not God trying to make you pious. That's not God trying to teach you some life lesson that's somewhere down the road. Say, oh, God put this on me and he really taught me a great lesson. No, it's getting out of that that teaches you a great lesson. It's taking your authority over that that teaches you a great lesson. It's getting revelation from the word of God and saying, no, devil, you're not going to do that to me anymore. That's what teaches you a great lesson. Now, notice this. This is interesting. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist. Actively oppose the devil. And he'll laugh in your face and say, yeah, you can't do that to me. Now notice what it says. He will flee. F-L-E-E. -E. That word in the Greek, now listen to me, means to run in stark terror. Now the problem is most Christians don't have that image in their mind. If you could see yourself for one second how you look in the spirit, 
Now, let me say that again. Not how you look in the flesh, but how you look in the spirit. You say, what do you mean? In the spirit, do you know what you look like? You look just like Jesus. You can't say, the Bible says he's the vine, we're the branches. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I guarantee you, if you could see yourself for one second in the Spirit, you would see yourself as a being of power, a being of authority, a being of anointing, a being of righteousness, and a being of much provision that God has given us in Christ. You say, then why didn't God let us in? Because the just shall live by faith. You've got to get it from the Word of God, and you've got to apply it by faith. Everybody say, resist. And he will run from stark terror, out of stark terror from you. Now, right there, you're in James. Go to Peter real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, this just backs up just what James tells us. Verse 8, it says, be sober. Everybody say, be sober. Now, first of all, let me tell you something. There's a lot of intoxicating doctrine out there. You say, what do you mean by that? You get under the influence of it. You know, he's writing to the church. He's not writing to, you know, uh, Joe's Bar and Grill. He's writing to the church, and what's he telling us? Be sober. There are times we just have to sober up. Listen, if your brand of Christianity doesn't work, you better, you better sober up. I've seen people under the influence of religion with all kinds of goofy thinking. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to all, uh, somebody the other day was trying to talk about how, oh, you know, that new birth stuff, that's all a bunch of foolishness. That's all those charismatic people, all that new birth, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. There's no way God would send a good person to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People go there by choice. I'm going to tell you the bad news. There are a lot of good people in hell. You say, why? Because you don't go to heaven by being good. You go to heaven by being born again. Amen. Amen. So we got to be sober. Everybody say, be sober. And let me just say this. This will help you too. You cannot come under the influence of an experience. Now I tell you, Pastor, you talk about all that healing power, and Grandma died, and she was believing God for healing. That doesn't nullify the Word of God. Amen? No, you got to make a decision no matter what your experience is or no matter what anybody else's experience is, the Word of God stands on its own. I said the Word of God stands on its own. Now, no, be sober. Be vigilant. I mean, you can't just say, well, I do it. You know, if, every once in a while, I'll check it out and see if it'll work. It ain't going to work for you. You got to be vigilant in it. Amen? Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary. So you've got an adversary, the devil. So it names him. As a roaring lion goes about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Now, notice this. Whom resist. Everybody say, resist. resist. Now, let me, let me give you some definition of the word resist. We use it very simply to just say actively oppose. But if you study the word, it means to muster active opposition, to remain strong against the force of that which would oppose, to not allow the effect of harm render you helpless. Now notice what it says, resist steadfast in the faith or in faith. Now, here's where we want to get and dig around a little bit this morning. Your faith has to be actively involved or you will not walk in authority. Amen. Now we know faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is imparted by information. 
information by the Word of God, information from the Word of God, presents or, or, or imparts to you revelation knowledge. That revelation knowledge must be expressed in order to convince your heart. If you do not have a confession of authority, you'll never walk in it. Now let me say that again. If you do not have a confession of authority, you'll never walk in it. It's like taking your badge away if you're a police officer. Amen. I guarantee you, you go to a, uh, where they muster the police officers before they go out on patrol. I guarantee you, if you don't have your badge on, they'll send you home to get you one. They say, go home and get your badge. You say, well, that's your authority. Now, your confession of authority is what builds faith in you to resist the devil. I mean, you ought to say every day, thank you, Father. I walk on serpents and scorpions over no, uh, and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thanks be unto God that causes me always to triumph in Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. If you don't have that in you, how are you going to exercise the authority of it? And how does that come? It comes through confession. What is confession? Part of the process of faith. We're teaching the revelation of authority. You must take that revelation and begin to speak it. That's why people always want to be around people of authority and always want people of authority to pray for them is because they're not willing to exercise that authority on their own behalf. Amen. I pray for all of you guys who prays for me. No, I'm talking about in ministry. Now, if I need special ministry, I got friends that I go to that pray for me. But no, most of the time, I don't, nobody prays for me. You say, what do you mean? I take authority over that sickness and disease. I take authority over that poverty and lack. I, well, you did that because you're the preacher. It has nothing to do with me being a preacher. It has everything to do with me understanding who I am in Christ and my authority that God has given me in Christ Jesus and exercising that authority. I know preachers that don't know it, that don't walk in it, don't exercise it, and they're weak as any other Christian that doesn't know it. Amen? No, I've developed myself in that authority. I refuse to accept. That doesn't mean I don't get tempted by it. That used to bug me for years. When I, I used to hear a preacher, used to preach all the time, talking about I've never been sick, never been sick, never been sick. And I watched him one time sick, up preaching with his nose running, honking on a Kleenex, all that kind of, and I thought, you're sick right now. But I wasn't listening. He said this, I hadn't been sick in 50 years. I remember he was later in his ministry. I hadn't been sick in 50 years. But then he said this, that doesn't mean I hadn't been tempted. You've got to view yourself in Christ. We've said it and we say it over and over again. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are not sick trying to get healed. You are the healed of God using the word of God to fight off that temptation. I don't care if it's a cold or it's cancer. You're using the anointing and the Word of God to fight it off in Jesus' name. Someone has to exercise that authority on, that earth, on earth. It might as well be us. So you have to use your faith. You have to have a revelation. Then you have to have a confession of it. Now, it works like this. Uh, one of the best ways to do it is just to illustrate it. Many times I'll just, in prayer, confessing scriptures, healing scriptures, redemptive scriptures, I'll get over on those authority scriptures. I'll thank, thank you, Father, that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you, old things that pass away. All things new for me. He that knew no sin was made sin. Because, because of that, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Then I'll go right back to those authoritative scriptures. Thank you, Father. I, me, I walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. 
No weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. Every tongue that rises up, I shall give. I thank you, Father. I worship you. I thank you for that authority. I thank you for that power. Then here comes the devil over here to tempt me. I say, wait a second, Lord. I got to talk to the devil for a minute. And then I turn to the problem, the circumstance, or the devil himself. And I say, devil, it is written. I walk upon serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. I am in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. And that's you. So greater, greater in Jesus' name. Get out of here. You say, does it work? Of course it does. It's a revelation. Absolutely it does. Wouldn't be here if it didn't. You've got to do the same. Thank God for a pastor that does it. Thank God for special speakers that comes in and does it. But you've got to begin to exercise it on your own behalf or the enemy's going to beat your brains out. Right. Remember what we talked about, his character. He's a criminal. He's a rat. He doesn't have the right to make you sick. He does it anyway. He doesn't have the right to mess with your money. He'll do it anyway. He doesn't have a right to oppress your mind. He'll do it anyway. And he'll try to put fear. He'll try to put doubt. And he'll try to do everything he can do to try to prove, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to run over you. I'm going to tear you up. I'm going to destroy your life. But you've got to rise up and say, no, you're not, devil. Let me remind you. I like to do it like this. Let me remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago where Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and your conqueror spoiled you and made a show of you. What was that like, Mr. Devil, being paraded through downtown eternity, bound up by the power of Almighty God? What was that like, Mr. Devil, when Jesus put his foot upon your neck and declared you defeated? What was that like, Mr. Devil, when you tried to hold him in the grave and he burst forth with resurrection power? What was that like, Mr. Devil? You say, you would really do that? I'd really do it, honey. I've done it many times. Let me remind you of your defeat. 2,000 years ago, upon the cross, when Jesus defeated you. His victory is my victory. His authority is my authority. True of every one of us. True of everybody. Say, resist. Say, submit. And the devil flees. Now, real quick, go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now I would suggest, hallelujah. You start seeing your authority, I guarantee you get happy. In Matthew chapter 3, don't go there, we're going we're to pick it up in Matthew 4, but let me mention Matthew chapter 3. Jesus went down to the Jordan River to be baptized of John. Great significance in that because that was his submission. When Jesus came to this planet, he didn't arrive here as a God on the planet. The only really unique character trait of Jesus is that his father was not of earthly origin. His father was God Almighty. He was conceived and birthed of the Word of God. So he was not subject to the fall of man, but we also have no account no credible account or anything that I would call credible of any signs, any wonders, or any miracles that Jesus did or any authority that he released until he got baptized in the, jo in the Jordan River by John's baptism. Now, John's baptism is unique in that all the people that were baptized, only one, the Spirit of God, descended upon. That baptismal measure, the Bible said it was out with, without measure. We get the Spirit by measure. He had it without measure. It came upon him through his submission to what God was doing through the ministry of John the Baptist. He didn't usurp it. He submitted to it. Are you with me? 
Now, in that baptismal experience, the Lord spoke. First of all, the Bible says, uh, the, well, let me read it real quick instead of trying to quote it. It says, uh, Jesus declared in verse uh, 15, Jesus answered, suffer it to be so now. Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteous. Then he suffered him. It says, then uh, he was baptized and went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens, everybody say the heavens. The heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit. Now, the he there is John the Baptist. John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending and like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, notice this is the most important part. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, this is the Father in heaven speaking down to his Son. And this is a word of identification. Everybody say identification. That's why it's important you know who you are in Christ. And this word says, here he is, boom, my beloved son, I'm well pleased. My beloved son. Now, now pick it up in chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. Now notice the Spirit leads into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit leads, the devil tempts. You say, now why was he led up in the Spirit to be tempted of the devil? Because he's on the devil's territory now. He's anointed by God. He's out there preparing for three and a half years of miracle ministry. Who do you think is going to show up? You think the devil just going to roll over? Listen, our church has been here for 15 years. Listen, this area, people have called it preachers, graveyards, hard place. We don't care what people call it. We're having revival here anyway. It doesn't matter. We're building that church in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter what the devil tries to do. It doesn't matter what kind of darkness goes on. It doesn't matter what the past history of it is. We have a word and a mandate from God Almighty. Amen. You say, well, you're on the devil's territory over there in Galveston. Doesn't matter anymore. There's parts of it that is God's territory now. Amen. So here's Jesus, and he goes, and here, who shows up? The devil. Now, when does he show up? Said he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights in weakness. See, the enemy always comes at your weakness. Thank God for our strength. But thank God the word says, where we're weak, he makes us strong. So right there at the point, and, and doctors tell us that, you know, at, at around 72 hours of a fast, your appetite leaves. And it'll come back to your physical body at the point of starvation, which is 39 to 40 days. Now, at that point of weakness, who shows up? Now, notice. It says the tempter. We know that's the devil. That's Satan. And when the tempter came to him and said, verse 4, uh, what is that? Verse 3. When the tempter came to him, he said, everybody say, he said, if thou be the son of God. Now, notice his challenge is to what? His challenge is not to the dove, the, the, the Holy Ghost that descended in the form of a dove. His challenge is not to the open heaven. His challenge is to that word of identity. Listen, that's why you've got to quit seeing yourself as male or female. That's why you've got to quit seeing yourself as black or white or Hispanic. That's why you've got to quit seeing yourself as tall or short or fat or skinny or ugly. You've got to start seeing yourself in Christ. Amen. I tell you, if, you, if all you look is at outward, ain't none of us in here got much to rejoice about. Amen. I used to say it like this. All the runway models are on the runway. But if you can see yourself in Christ, don't listen to her. <laughs> if you can see yourself in Christ, you can see yourself healed. 
I don't care how sick you may be. If you can see yourself in Christ, you can see yourself. That's your new identity. Healing is not something we're trying to obtain. We're trying to get healed. Healed is who we are. It's part of our, our identity. You've got a new DNA. You've got a new inheritance. It belongs to you in Christ. It's spiritual. You say, well, I wish it was physical or mental. No, it has to be spiritual or else it wouldn't make any difference. And by faith, it finds its way into the mental. It finds its way into the physical. Woo, somebody could have got happy on that one. Now notice, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to me made bread. Now, this took place, this is what? This is a suggestion. That's how the enemy comes at your mind, is with suggestions. He is suggesting this, but now notice this, the next verse. Now this is a key point. But he answered and said. I'm going to let that settle a minute. He answered and said. Saying is a physical act. Why has there been so much opposition to the doctrine of confession? Did you know Christianity, back after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and into the days of the apostles in the book of Acts, do you know what Christianity was called? It was called the Great Confession. Because people went around saying and confessing that they were saved, that they were spirit-filled, that they were healed in their body, that they were more than caught. They went around saying it and establishing the kingdom through what they said. And the devil has done everything he can do to quit, get you to quit saying it. And what have we said? We said it when we taught on the war in the mind. You cannot overcome a thought with a thought. You cannot resist a thought with a thought. You have been given words. Your words touch the natural realm. Your words touch the spirit realm. Your thoughts don't. Your thoughts only touch the intellectual realm. But your words touch every realm. The physical, the intellectual, the spiritual. So you take words from the spiritual. That's, now listen, here's how Jesus does it. He answered and said, everybody say he said. It is written. So he goes where? To the word. He didn't even say, well, I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. How dare you do that? He didn't do that. You say, why? He was not a God walking on the earth. He was a man in correct relationship to his God. So he took the principle of faith and said, it's written. It's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up again into the holy city. And setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Where's this going on? It's going on in his mind. It's going on in his head. And said unto him, if thou be the son of God. There he goes again. He's after the word. He's after the word in your life. That's why it says in Mark chapter 4, when the sower soweth the word, those that are, where it goes on stony ground, those that are uh, 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 afflicted, persecuted, for the word's sake. That means every time you make a stand on the word, the enemy's going to come after that. He's going to come after you. He's going to talk you out of it, fool you out of it, lie you out of it. But if you'll make your stand on the word and use your authority, there's nothing he can do to defeat the word in you. Woo, glory to God. Let me try that again. There's nothing he can do to defeat the word in you unless you let him. And notice Jesus again. I mean, notice the devil again. He saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. Now here, listen to this. For it is written. Now you, now you got the devil quoting the Bible. 
He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Let me just say this. The devil is not a creature of revelation. He doesn't know the word of God. Now, he can look in a scripture and read it, but you've got to rightly divide. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Study, show yourself approved. A workman needeth not beeth ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, I heard the story of a guy. They used to use these promise, promise boxes. And another guy used to just turn in the Bible and point to Scripture. Say, well, that, yeah, there's my Scripture for the day. And so one day he, he flipped through the Bible, let it fall open, closed his eyes and pointed to a Scripture. Looked down and read it and said, Judas went out and hanged himself. He said, oh, my God. I better get me another scripture. So he, so he let the Bible fall again. He pointed down and it said, go ye and do likewise. <laughs> that ain't the right division of the word of God. You can twist the word to do anything. And I'm telling you, the master twister is Satan. Yeah. I said, the master twister is Satan. He's twisted doctrine where people don't believe in healing anymore. They don't believe in the power of God anymore. They don't believe in the presence of God anymore. They don't believe in the glory of God anymore. Well, that's the major things the church was birthed in. Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, divine healing. You think God is going to take the foundations of the church and take them out? That means the devil is stronger, the church is weaker. But I got good news, the devil's not stronger, the church is not weaker, Jesus is Lord, there's empowerment, there's power in the word, you just gotta make a decision to get a hold of it and use it. Mm -mm -mm. Jesus said, here it is again, said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, I'm telling you, he's a persistent cuss, isn't he? Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them, said unto them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, if I had time, I'd teach you on these different physical temptation, mental temptation. Here's the spiritual temptation. This is a legitimate temptation. Those kingdoms belong to Satan for three and a half more years. I said for three and a half more years. And his spiritual temptation was to do it another way. Give you the easy way. So, well, Pastor, this is just too hard to do. It's the easiest thing you've ever done. You say, what do you mean by that? Every person on the planet are operating in these principles. The problem is most people aren't operating in them according to the Word of God. You say, what do you mean by that? Let's just take confession for, for instance. So, you know, Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, you'll have whatever you say. And people, you know, people on the religious side just mock it, mock it, you know, and then they go out and everything they say, they have. And what do they say? Everything they can't make it. Anybody gets the flu, it'll be me. My arthritis is acting up. My allergies, they lay claim to everything. And everything they say happens just the way they say it. Because these truths are not just spiritual truths unique to Christianity. They're unique to humanity. Mm-mm-mm. I like this. Now look at verse 10, and I'll wrap it up. It says, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now listen, I'll tell you what happened to him. The enemy came at him, he resisted him. The enemy came at him, he resisted him. The enemy came the third time, and he, what I like to call, pulled the trigger. Everybody say, pulled the trigger. Now the pro- listen, the problem, you don't want to get caught in any circumstance in which you need a firearm without any ammunition. 
I would not want to be a soldier in a battle and have the best gun in the world with no bullets. Amen. I, I, li I like to hunt, but I don't hunt dangerous game. You know why? Because it's dangerous. I mean, a mallard never tried to kill anybody, you know. But now if I was going to go grizzly bear hunting, I'd get the biggest gun that I could shoot at the furthest distance. Amen. And cause a grizzly bear will kill you with one slap. So if I'm going to shoot him, I want the biggest gun that'll shoot the longest distance so I can get the furthest away from him and shoot him. But I want good ammo. And ammo has to be put into a gun and it has to be put into the breech and locked in and then the safety has to be taken off and the trigger's got to be pulled. Now I want you to know, number one, the enemy does not want you loading up on ammunition. You say, what do you mean? That Bible, that iPad, whatever it is that you're holding right now that has the Word of God in it is your ammo dump. That word is powerful. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it's alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the most powerful force on the earth. More powerful than an atom bomb. And Satan don't want you loading up. He don't want you reading your Bible. He don't want you getting the CDs and listening to the authority of the believer. He don't want none of that. He wants you without any ammo. Amen. But if you get some ammo, then you need to know how to use it. And once you get that ammo, once you begin to get that word in you, then when that enemy comes, you've got to learn to speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. We've ministered to several people here lately that have come up that the enemy has attacked their bodies with cancer. Now, I remember the testimony of an individual, a woman. Her husband had died of cancer who was a very spiritual man. Was a deacon in the church, was a businessman, gave a lot of money and came uh, up with this disease attack of the enemy against his body. And, and, and the pastor prayed, and every evangelist prayed, and the guy died. And so in a, in a teaching meeting on faith, she approached an acquaintance of mine and asked, why could my husband not be, be healed? And so he said, well, tell me the story. So she began to explain, the pastor prayed. I said, so, so the guy said, what did he pray? He said, well, he asked God to heal him. He said, we had two evangelists come to our church in that period of time. And they both prayed. He said, what did they pray? He said, well, they asked God to heal him. And so this, he said, automatically, I heard the guy telling the testimony that was talking to the woman. He said, automatically, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, ask her this question. He said, did anybody ever talk to the cancer? So he asked her the question. He said, did any of those guys ever talk to the cancer? They all said, no. They asked God to heal them, but they never talked to the cancer. Well, you can ask God to heal you all day long. But you're going to have to learn to talk to the arthritis, the diabetes, the cancer, the lack of money in your bank account. You say, why? Because you're the one who has the authority in Christ. And once you get the knowledge of that, God loads you with the ammunition of that knowledge. Then you've got to put it in your rifle of faith. Now, that last verse we read where Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan. Boom, he pulled the trigger. He said, now, how do you know he pulled the trigger? Look at the next verse, verse 11. Oh, this is a beautiful verse. What's it, what's it say? It says, Then the devil leaveth, and angels came and ministered unto him. Now, the Lord spoke this to me in teaching on this subject years ago when I used to travel. He said, There should be extended periods of time in every believer's life in which they have no problem with the devil. 
No physical attacks, no financial attacks, no mental attacks, no attacks in their family, no attacks whatsoever. You say, why? Because you've exercised authority, you've exercised authority, you've exercised authority, and your adversary knows I can't come at them in that direction anymore. I tried to come in this direction, it didn't work. Now I've come in this direction, and that hadn't worked. Now I've come in this direction, and that hadn't worked. He can't figure you out. Lee and I, tell them, sweetie, we've experienced long periods in our life in which we have not had problems with the devil. They're just not there. You say, why not? Because we've made a decision to live in the authority that God has given us in Christ. We've overcome disease. We've overcome poverty. We've overcome depression. We've overcome every kind of junk you can think of. We've stood on the word of God and we've spoken that word of authority and we said, devil, get out of our lives in Jesus' name. Now, a lot of people say, well, did it work immediately? Nope. We just kept doing it and just kept doing it. Say, how long do you have to do it? Tell you, you don't have to do it no more. But eventually we broke through I gave the testimony of you fighting fear when we first got married. I traveled a lot. She owned a business. For the first four or five years, I traveled, I mean, a lot. I was gone all the time. And she just had this fear of of being alone, of somebody breaking in the house. And and it was, what, maybe a four-year battle in her mind. And our family was very benevolent. My mom and dad would, Leah, come stay with us. And, and, And Alan and Pat, Leah, come stay with us. She never took it up. She fought that fight. And finally, I think it was when I was in Ireland one time. You were over there on 39th Street. And she just had fought it and fought it and fought it. And then eventually, faith took hold. And she pulled the trigger on that thing. And she began to rejoice and jump around and praise and worship God and magnify God. And that's been way back in the early 90s. And she hadn't had problems with fear since then. Am I right? You say, why? Because she resisted. Well, did some special preacher pray some special prayer? No. Thank God for those that can, and thank God when we do, and it works. But in the meantime, what are you going to do in the dark hours when you're fighting the devil, when the adversary comes against you, when there's pain raging in your body, when you're, when you're having to go in for some type of treatment that just scares the fire out of you? What are you going to do? You're going to stand strong on the Word of God. You're going to rise up in His power. You're going to say, devil, I'm not going to be defeated by you. Not by this disease, not by this financial problem, not by this circumstance, not by this situation. I'm going to stand strong on the Word of God, and the devil has to leave. And angels are going to come and minister to me. And if you'll stand strong and not give up, don't give up on the Word. Don't say, I'm going to try it. It doesn't work by trying. I mean, anybody here that ever got married and had to stand in front of a preacher, and they said, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? I'll try. I'll give it a try. (laughs) Amen. I wouldn't marry anybody like that. Well, I'll give it a try. You know, marriage is something you got to do. The Bible says you got to be a doer of the word. You got to be a doer of the word, not just a forgetful here. You got to be a doer, and you got to do it. How, How often does the enemy attack? Every day. Day after day after day after. So what are you going to do? You just say, well, I'm going I'm to do it on Sunday. And I'm going to do it on Wednesday night if I can make it. 
No, you've got a day after day. The outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day by day. Every day you make your confession, every day you worship God, every day you stand in your authority, and every day you remind the devil, you are a defeated foe in my life. You're not going to destroy my body. You're not going to destroy my mind. You're not going to destroy my finances. You're not going to destroy me, for I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Jesus has redeemed me. He paid a horrible price for me to be delivered, and I refuse nothing. I refuse everything but his provision. And if you'll do that by faith in your life, you will find a place of victory that you've never found before. It will release you of apathy and complacency, and you will come online as an active opposer of the spirit of darkness. And I guarantee you, the light will dawn upon you, and you'll experience victory after victory after victory. Amen? Amen. Oh, give the Lord a shout this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a mighty shout. Praise God, praise God. Go ahead, Brother Fang. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Just a moment. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where are you with the Lord? This authority, this power works. We've seen it, demonstrated it. We've ministered it to other people for 33 years. We've seen cripples walk. We've seen drug addicts delivered. We've seen people so oppressed by fear that they were just tormented, delivered. But it all begins with you making a decision to serve God. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to the Lord. I've never gotten saved. I'm not born again. I need to know I'm right with God. I need to know I'm right with God. Or if you say, Pastor, I've I've given my heart to the Lord and been saved, but I've just struggled. I've broken fellowship with God. I'm not living the way I should. I'm not living right or doing right. Would you please pray for me? Either one of those two categories, I desire to pray for you this morning. So nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. Please pray with me this morning. If that's you, would you lift your hand high so I could see it? Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Praise God. One hand, two hands. Anybody else? Anyone else? You can put your hand down once you've raised it. I'm going to wait just a minute. I believe the Lord's dealing with some hearts this morning. Don't, don't, don't leave or walk out of here. Say, well, you know, it really doesn't make any difference. I can do what I want to do. No, you can't. Real quick, let me look one more time. Anyone else would say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be right with God this morning. Praise God. We see another hand. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, everybody look this way. Here's the way we're going to do it this morning. Because most of the people that have raised their hand are people that just need to be right with God this morning. So let's all stand in our feet. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a confession. Everybody say a confession. We're going to make a confession of our faith and our righteousness. Then we're going to make a confession of our authority. Amen. So let's all do it together. Say, Heavenly Father, right now, I acknowledge openly and publicly that Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior. Areas of my life that don't please you, Lord, I ask your forgiveness. Forgive me, Father. My faith is in your blood that is shed for me upon the mercy seat of Almighty God. You know where I'm weak and I lean upon your word and your power to strengthen me in every area of life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the authority that I have in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I am in Christ. I thank you. I am a new creature. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. 
that no weapon, no sickness, no disease, no financial problem formed shall ever hurt me or harm me. For I am the healed of God and the blessed of God. Thank you, Lord. I, as a believer, walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Greater is he, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God that causes me always, always, always to triumph in Christ Jesus. I win every time because of the victory of God. Devil, you look at me. According to the word, you're under my feet. Therefore, I declare you in my life, in my mind, in my body, in my finances, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I am your very own child. That very authority that Jesus regained for the believer, I walk in. I'll never be the same. It'll change my life. Thank you, Father, for overwhelming, continual victory in Jesus' name. Now thank God for it. Now thank God for it. Come on, thank Him for it. Thank Him for it. Thank Him for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Now don't forget, you've got to use your words. I know in my spirit right now, I could minister to several people that are dealing with fear issues. Use your words. Thank you, Father. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind, fear. Get out of here in Jesus' name. I don't care what you're facing. Use, use your words. Financial issues. You just lift your hands to worship God. Say, thank you, Father. You supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Devil, in the name of Jesus, get your hands. That's why we pray that. That, that, that confession over our offering is a confession of authority. That's why we say, devil, get your hands off of our finances because if you don't, he'll put, put his hands on them. Come on, church. That's all, that all has to do with authority. Over any area, over your children. Don't let the devil torment and tear up your children. Make a decision. In your house, you say, I live in an old apartment in a crack house somewhere. You, if that's the only place you got to live, then you sanctify your apartment. Amen. And you declare the power and the anointing of God, and you'll turn that crack house into a church. Some, God is looking. Listen, let me say this in close. God is looking for someone who will exercise some authority in the midst of darkness and not be ashamed, not be afraid, and rise up and say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was a powerful minister back in the mid-20th century, and he was... Uh, uh, in England during the war, during the, when the, the Battle of Britain was taking place. And a, and a little lady uh, had come out of a bomb shelter and was just going to go get, get the bus, ride the bus, go get some provision and come back. And she had a little dog. And so she came out of this bomb shelter and was walking over to the, to the bus. And that little dog was uh, going behind her. And she, she said, no, honey, go back, go back to the shelter. And it, it kept following. She said, you know, go back, go back to the shelter. It kept following. And finally, the, she turned around. She said, scat! like that and the thing ran back ran back to the shelter and Wigglesworth saw it on the street and he hollered that's, that's what you got to do to the devil right there just started preaching right there on the, on the street corner 
Amen. You say, well, did that, that guy ever have any success? He raised 28 people from the dead. Documented 28 people from the dead. Get his book, Ever Increasing Faith. You say, what, do you, what, do you tr- what point are you trying to make? There's authority that we've not tapped into, that we have not realized, because we've just not walked in it. It's there. It's available for every believer. I heard the testimony of a guy, wasn't even a pastor. He was a farmer in the Midwest. And he just, somehow he tapped into that authority. And in his barn, he would have healing services. And he said, this is back in the 30s. He said, people would come for 100 miles around and pack out his barn. And he said, they saw limbs grow out. Cripples get out of wheelchairs. Cancers, tumors fall out of people's bodies. He said, it's the most phenomenal thing. And this guy, he said he wasn't a preacher. He couldn't preach. He'd just get up and talk about his authority. And the power of God had moved and touch and heal people's lives. And then, and then the next day, he'd be up driving a tractor, plowing his field. He said, what point are you trying? It'll work for anybody that's willing to work it. Amen. Uh, remember, remember what we said when we started this? God doesn't bless lazy. He don't bless lazy. He bless those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen. Don't forget all the things going on. We'll have a meeting right after this service for those that are volunteering for the, for the event next Saturday. Don't forget, uh, 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 who's here Wednesday night? Remind me. John Angelina. Glory to God. Don't miss John Angelina. Great speaker. You'll love him. You'll enjoy him. Great, great speaker. You'll absolutely enjoy him. And uh, anything else? Don't forget prayers on Saturday nights. Been having great prayer meetings on Saturday nights. You that are missing them, you're missing it. One way to help establish you in authority, come and pray corporately with the church. It'll help you establish you in authority like that. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, we bless your name this morning. Now, Lord, we again exercise our authority as a church, as a congregation. Psalms 91. You said in your word, no evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. You give angels charge over us. You said a thousand would fall at our side, 10,000 on our right hand. It would not come near us. Only with our eyes would we behold, see the reward of the wicked. So we declare, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the freeways, uh, the seaways, or the railways, we are protected of God. Not subject to accidents, trauma, or terror. In the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resource you've given us, whether it be out in the ocean, up in the medical branch, over at the petrochemical plants, contractors, those that work in, a, uh, work in retail, those that sit behind an office desk, no matter what it is, no matter where it's at, we claim those that have plans of wickedness or unrighteousness against us shall not succeed. We resist it and take authority over it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Also, we use that authority to keep the door of utterance open for us here on this island. Thank you that we all leave this place today knowing that we can be an answer to somebody's prayer, a problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. We leave walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.